go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we will explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to the renewal of the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, families, as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome all of our listeners, and we're in the midst of a series that we believe is pretty critical to the rebuilding and renewal of the American Catholic Church. Isn't that right, Peter? Amen, Leslie. Our series is The Call to Return to Biblical Christianity, and we've been on a very exciting journey into that wonderful book, The Acts of the Apostles, where we're rediscovering the characteristic that made those early Christians such a powerful force. We're pulling together scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we are being challenged on how we too can start to live as the early Christians did. Well, let's take a minute to talk about where we were last week. We followed St. Paul into the great ancient city of Athens, and we were reading Acts 17, 16 through 34, where Paul preaches in the synagogue in Athens. And in that In that setting, he engaged the Greek philosophers in the marketplace, and it was a city that was just filled with many pagan gods and goddesses. So Paul, speaking to the people there, revealed to them the unknown God. He made a connection, didn't he, honey? Yeah, there was an inscription. Right. Yes. Um, He made a connection to the unknown God based upon the inscription on a pagan altar. And as a result, the good news was proclaimed, and several Athenians became the first believers in Athens. But we didn't stop there. Next, we learned that there was an important lesson in verse 16, and we saw how Paul responded to the culture. He became provoked and troubled. Paul was very intense, Leslie. And what happened is, the scripture says, now while Paul was waiting for them, that is Silas and Timothy, to come to Athens from where they were in Berea. He became provoked. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. The city, Leslie, was just full of idols. Can you imagine? And the reality is that our Western culture, I believe, is also full of idols. They're all around us. And just like St. Paul, we too can become, should become provoked when we encounter idolatry. 
And this was the focus of our program last week, that if we are working towards returning to biblical Christianity, we really need to learn how to guard ourselves against the the idolatry that's all around us. And last week, we shared five key insights into dealing with idolatry in our personal lives. Peter, could you take a moment to review those for our listeners? Yes, there's an overview scripture, Leslie. I mentioned this wonderful proverb that says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And I think these five aspects for us as Catholic Christians will help us keep our hearts with all vigilance. So we mentioned number one concerning idolatry, nearly anything, even good things, Leslie, can become idols in our lives. Idols don't have to be made of wood and stone. They can be made just as easily of things like power, fame, wealth, and popularity. And so these things can be good things on the surface. Take, for instance, wealth can be wonderful if we're sharing generously. But if it becomes a toxic thing and does become toxic when it when we becomes a single minded focus for us. I thought popularity was another good example that I had thought about. Mm-hmm. And it can be a good thing if you've got a great personality and you're using it to reach out to people in the peripheries and build yes, we've community. Kno- we've known evangelizers that have powerful and very attractive personalities that the Lord uses, right? Right. Our son Josh is one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. But it can become a destructive thing if popularity becomes your goal and you crave it and then you end up compromising your values yes. in order to gain popularity. That's right. So the second thing we mentioned, Leslie, that at its root, idolatry is covetousness. And of course, we have two commandments, the ninth and 10th commandment, that address covetousness, coveting your wife, your neighbor's wife, and then coveting your neighbor's goods. And what is covetousness? It's an intense, selfish desire for something or someone. So when we crave something more than we desire God, Leslie, or we want to serve and want to serve God, it becomes an idol, and it gains the power to enslave us. Paul mentioned the slavery of idolatry in the book of Galatians. And finally, Paul warned us also to flee from idolatry in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, it's interesting that in um, when you become enslaved, basically you never really reach a fulfillment. You're, yeah. just, you're never satisfied. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Point number three, Leslie, is... We mentioned turning from idols means turning away from God and vice versa. You know, Jesus mentioned that we cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you will despise the other. So Jesus was showing us here, Leslie, that idol, an idol really becomes a master in our life, and that's why we need to flee it so much. And But the concept conveyed in Jesus' teaching is very open-ended, so we can kind of fill in the blank. You cannot serve God and and you fill in the blank for the areas that we may battle in in this area of idolatry. Fourthly, we said that idols take, but God gives. And what do we mean by that? Uh, All the way in the Old Testament, through the law and the prophets and the gospels and epistles alike, God is represented as a jealous God. And he's jealous for us in contradistinction to an idol because he knows that with him is freedom, with idol, like you mentioned, Leslie, is slavery and almost becomes an addiction. 
Well, finally, we didn't leave our listeners without an antidote. What was it? How do we rid ourselves of idols? You know, it's very simple, Leslie, and it's this. The only antidote to idolatry is an intense desire to know and love the Lord Jesus. So idols capture our affection and passion, right? Idols consume us instead of us being consumed by God. They absorb our thoughts even more than God does. We end up looking at them for fulfillment and purpose, but the key is desiring the knowledge and love of God. Well, last week we also presented a examination of conscience that can help you identify or help us identify whether we have made certain things idols in our lives. Um, I don't know if we have time to go through all of them, Peter, but maybe you could just mention a few. Yeah, this was really helpful, I think, when we mentioned this, Leslie. First of all, we asked ourselves a question, have I loved something more than God? Money, power, status, material possessions, knowledge, beauty, sports, celebrities. Do these things push me closer to God or pull me away from him? And the second question is really great. Do I allow a desire for these things to influence my choices more than God? Am I willing to compromise my beliefs for it? And then lastly, we mentioned, among others, do I value these things more than people? Will I hurt or trample on others to get what I want? Well, we need to all take St. John's words to heart in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. That's the bottom line. That sums it up. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue our discovery of biblical Christianity as we journey with St. Paul and his team into the ancient city of Corinth. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening the radio and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating and um, at the same time I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics Catholic radio building faith building vocations welcome back to our radio program go rebuild my church in this series we've been exploring the call to return to biblical Christianity and we've been learning why the early Christians were described as those who have Turn the world upside down. That's a pretty amazing statement. Yes, it is. Peter, you've been leading us on an exciting journey throughout the Acts of the Apostles. Where do we find ourselves today? Well, let's say this is kind of a travel log in the Acts of the Apostles because we're following our great model, St. Paul, the Apostle. And today, St. Paul goes into the famous Greek city, Corinth, in Acts chapter 18. Corinth was a flourishing commercial and tourist center of the whole Mediterranean world. It was a home of several Greek and Roman religious cults as well. And finally, Corinth had a reputation for sexual impurity and ruthless business contacts. Paul arrives there in 51 BC and later addressed these early believers, Leslie, with two epistles. And interestingly enough, one, a third one that was lost. I did not even know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so St. Paul, we've learned, or we're going to be learning, had an important encounter with the Lord at Corinth. 
And it's going to speak to all of us if we are to rebuild and renew the Catholic Church here in America. So, Peter, give us an overview of what exactly happened to Paul in this encounter with Jesus. Yes, Leslie, listen to the sacred scripture in Acts 18, 8 through 11. Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord, together with all his household. And many of the Christians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized. Then one night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to harm you, for there are many in this city who are my people. So he stayed there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Here, Leslie, we see the Lord calling St. Paul to have courage, and that's what we want to speak about this afternoon because the Lord is with him and finally also in this exhortation it says from the Lord he told Saint Paul do not be silent at the heart of this message of the kingdom is the call to courage isn't it a theme that dominates from the beginning of the New Testament let's think about it the angel Gabriel sent to announce the incarnation 2,000 years ago Leslie exhorted Elizabeth and Zachary and then Mary and Joseph do not be afraid right the angel said the exact same thing do not be afraid yes and we have John the Baptist the fearless witness Jesus cousin and Harold dramatically set the tone for Christian courage in the beginning of the Gospels in his words his deeds his life and yes we all know even in his death and Jesus also challenged people to have courage throughout his public life whether he was addressing a large audience or dealing with a person who was suffering from some kind of disability. Peter, what are some examples of when Jesus called his disciples to courage? So, Leslie, Jesus in the scriptures is calling the apostles to do not be afraid all the time. You think about in the upper room, just before Jesus was to enter his passion, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He said he had a peace to give to them that the world would not give. Also in in Luke chapter 12, 32, he's talking in this whole section about not being anxious. And he said to the apostles, do not be afraid, little flock. For the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And there was just a little flock. There was 12 of them, right? And they were going to face the Roman Empire. Uh, But he said, do not be afraid. Another one, Leslie, in in Luke 12, also verse 7, he said to them, do not fear of those who can kill the body. Uh, You are worth many more sparrows. And think of that, the 11 of those 12 apostles, well, when Judas was replaced, right, with Matthias, but 11 of those 12 apostles had to sacrifice their body for Jesus Christ. And then finally, the call of Peter. Think about that. When he called Peter, there was also this that he put on it. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Well, it sounds like Jesus knew 
that we would be challenged in the area of courage, that we would have so many opportunities to withdraw and be afraid. And boy, we ha- all have those natural fears, isn't it? I mean, that's commonplace among God's people. Right. I love the way you've put this together, Peter. Mm-hmm. But courage was also a major theme in the papacy of Pope St. John Paul II, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, Pope St. John Paul II was critical for us returning to the Catholic Church. So he's kind of a hero to us. He, being the successor of Peter, carries on this challenge of the early believers to have courage. And it was the hallmark and clarion call of his whole pontificate from the very first day. When he came out, he said for the first time to greet the people as the new pope, do not be afraid, were his first words, October 22nd, 1978. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was very uh, uh, impactful when he said that. Yeah, and another thing... Because we knew he was probably afraid, too. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that he said, Leslie, around fear that I've always remembered is this quote by him. It's not the world's applause, he said, but the faithful confession of Jesus Christ that's the sign of an authentic disciple of Christ. I love that phrase, the world's applause, because that is not what we're to seek. The rudder to venture out into the sea of courage is being courageous. Right. And seeking the world's applause is really seeking the world's acceptance. And sometimes we have to realize we won't be accepted. Yes. I like the definition of courage. Courage is the strength to overcome fear in order to do what is right. So it recognizes that there's a fear that we carry, right? But courage is the challenge by the grace of God to overcome that fear. And I think sometimes the definition of courage is misunderstood because we think it's the absence of fear. That's exactly right. So in Isaiah 11, Leslie, we learn that courage slash fortitude, synonymous, are one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the seven, that we receive in our baptism and then renewed when we receive confirmation. So the gift of fortitude and courage is also described through, I really, we like, really like St. Thomas Aquinas on this program, we quote him often, along with the catechism, and it's this, describing courage. With the gift of courage, fortitude, we overcome our fear and are willing to take risks as a follower of Jesus Christ. I really like the idea of risk-taking, Leslie. A person with courage is willing to stand up for what is right in the sight of God, even if it means accepting rejection, verbal abuse, or even physical harm, and yes, even death. Well, Peter, this is all really good stuff, and it's a challenge for each of us to embrace. And if we want to follow in the steps of the early Christian believers, we really need the Holy Spirit to come upon us in a fresh way to give us that courage and renew our sacrament of baptism and confirmation. So this is a good time to take a little break now. And when we return, Peter and I want to get very practical on how we can become courageous amid the culture that surrounds us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live 
see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we're continuing our series, The Call to Rebuild the Church Here in America Through the Restoration of Biblical Christianity, and we're talking about courage. In our last segment, we discussed how St. Paul entered Corinth, and the Lord appeared to him in a night vision and said, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you to harm you. Peter, if we're also to allow the scripture to become the compass for our lives and take the Acts of the Apostles seriously, what are the areas where we can practice courage? What are some practical places we can start? And like Paul was told, Leslie, and not be silent, but begin to speak and act, right? Right. (laughs) So... Uh, Yes, some practical ways in areas, Leslie, which I think we can begin to grow in our courage. Uh, As my African brother and friends always says, to begin small, small. Mm -hmm. So let's think about that. First of all, I think let's begin with something small that we can do, like when we're in the public arena, say eating at a restaurant, make the sign of the cross, and ask the Lord to bless our food. Sometimes we don't do that because we're embarrassed. Yeah, so that can open up a door for us to talk to a waiter or talk to the waitress about eternal things. And we've had experiences like that throughout our journey where we've seen God really encounter the, the presence at that restaurant table. Let's say I think a second place that we can grow and become courageous is when we're in a situation when a person has an obvious need, right? And we ask them on the spot if we can pray for them. Yes, this happened to me recently when we were on vacation in Florida and we were in a hotel and we were at the breakfast buffet and a woman, an elderly woman, fell right in front of me, crashed to the floor and was obviously hurt. And I had... And she was an elderly lady. Yes, and mm. I I had to... I felt a distinct impression that I was supposed to step out and be empathetic and caring and also pray for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a third place to be courageous that we all find ourselves in, and that is in the workplace. I know that when the Lord took me for a season in my life after my being a pastor, evangelical pastor, he took me into an inner city school. And there were times when people, the students particularly, would want to ask me about my family, about my marriage, about my children. And many times it offered an opportunity for give a, to give a witness, Leslie, about how my marriage was founded in Jesus Christ, how the Lord really radically changed me when I was in college and got a chance to share my conversion story. So that was always a blessing in that workplace. And I had a lot of experiences like that when I was uh, working full time. And it usually happened when I had the opportunity to just uh, befriend different co-workers who had different trials and tribulations in their lives. And in those situations, just being uh, not afraid to say, I'll pray for you. Uh, yes, exactly. 
A fourth place, Leslie, for us to show courage is in our social settings. Right, just, when we're just out in the marketplace. Yeah, for instance, like one time when I was getting a haircut at Great Clips, uh, the radio was on in the PA system there, and somebody on the radio was encouraging everybody to go to discover uh, uh, their sign and to get into horoscopes. And I, I, I had a great opportunity to talk to the person cutting my hair about how these things really are not the best way to seek God in your life and that Jesus Christ has a better way to know him. Well, we also need to be courageous in our Catholic child rearing, don't we? Yes. And that's a big area. Boy, right you're now. not a kidding. And uh, I recall, especially during the teen years, just having to fight quite a few battles there and take a stand and be courageous and not be silent. And one area in particular I, I recalled is when our children would be invited to a party at yeah. someone's house. When they're teenagers. Right. Right. And how I would have to overcome my fear and call the parents to make sure that they were going to be there and everything was properly chaperoned. And, and that was an area for me in particular where I had to step out and have courage. Right. I think that embarrassed our children at the time, but now they probably appreciated it. Right. Right. Let's see. I love the exhortation that Bishop John Keating, the former Bishop of, in Arlington, Virginia, who died in 1998, gave his people concerning courage. And this is really our Catholic culture, Leslie, as we go through these. And he talked about courage this way. He said, if courage is the strength to overcome fear, to do what is right, we've talked about that today, then I pray that the Holy Spirit, in delivering the great gift of courage he promised in your confirmation, will sear into your soul a recurring refrain to to sustain you the rest of your life. Do not be afraid. And then he went on to talk to about all the different categories of people. He said, parents, don't be afraid to engage your children at any age in religious dialogue and challenge them to be stronger Catholics. He also challenged husbands, and he said, Husbands, don't be afraid to love your wives as Christ loves his church, unconditionally, magnanimously, irrevocably. He said, wives, don't be afraid to serve your husband's highest calling and quest, eternal life after death. Teachers, this is a really good one. Don't be afraid to show the witness and example of your Catholic faith to your students. He said to principals of Catholic schools, don't be afraid to promote a solidly Catholic moral climate in your school. And he didn't leave out the colleges. He said, presidents of Catholic colleges, don't be afraid to insist on the Catholic identity of your institution in its purpose, its policies, and its personnel. Boy, do we need that today. He talked to the priests also, Leslie. He said, don't be afraid to preach the hard sayings of Jesus' message. But at the same time, don't be afraid to show compassion for the pain of the human condition. College students, this is very important. Don't be afraid to be a practicing Catholic before the eyes of your classmates. And high school students, don't be afraid to be chaste and to be known as such. And finally, and this is so needed, legislators and judges, don't be afraid, as Nicodemus was, to act openly with courage and your convictions. So, Peter, I know you're going to post this for our listeners because this is a powerful challenge to have courage in the face of our culture today. Yes, we will. We'll do that on our website, Leslie. And let's pray now that all of us renew courage as a result of our baptism and confirmation. 
Lord, we say, come Holy Spirit. Renew within us those gifts that we received at baptism that were inflamed through our confirmation. We put faith in these sacraments that they are working and alive in us. Please give us courage to serve you in this generation. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you listeners for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear our past programs, just go to catholicradioindy.org and you can access all of our previous broadcasts through the podcast tab on the webpage. And just make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now and keep keep the the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.